I'll be reading in Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. It's the second book of the Bible. Page 62. If you do not have a book, take that black book in front of you. Take it home with you. I will be reading the first 17 verses of Exodus 20, all 10 commandments. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. I am also going to read Exodus 21, 15 through 17. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. This is the word of the Lord. That was a real blessing and privilege for my wife Marley and I to be here. Um, we've had a wonderful time with our family and uh, some of the extended church family. I want to thank uh, Jamie for all her hard work and uh, her delicious cooking and her patience with when the Theobalds show up. And we had more than ourselves for a few days here. Job and Johnny had some of their cousins come as well, so we've had a great time. I want to thank the worship committee. Uh, thank you for your ministry. Uh, 
those hymns and songs that we sang today really ministered to me, and I, I greatly appreciate that. And I'm sure to all of us, we thank the Lord for people who use their gifts, not to show off, but to show forth the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to thank um, my grandson, Job. That's maybe my favorite hymn that was played in the offertory. And um, before I was a Christian, I went to a, a camp. Back then, it was called a crippled children's camp. They probably wouldn't say that today, but we weren't embarrassed back then. And it wasn't a Christian camp, but every night we gathered around the flagpole. We held hands, and we sang Abide With Me. And I'm sure the Lord used that to work in my heart uh, to eventually save me at uh, the age of 17. Well, will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. And again, I'll read in our hearing um, the first three verses. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. We live in a culture where very little is sacred, where very little is held as holy. Uh, certainly the Lord isn't. Uh, his name, I'm sure, is still probably the most cussed word in both Canada and the United States. Um, because of that, many other things are no longer sacred. And what the, this, this great Sermon on the Mount from the Old Testament as Moses goes into the very presence of God and receives the very words of God, he comes down from that mountain to tell Israel and to tell us today that there are certain things that are absolutely holy. They are not to be tampered with. They are not to be played with. They are not to be altered or adjusted. And Moses came down from that mountain and it was very clear by his very presence that he was in the presence of a being that literally is out of this world. There's no comparison to God. And he is a God of immaculate, perfect holiness. And when his words are spoken, they are to be heard and they are to be heeded and they are to be believed. God will say some astounding things like time is sacred that sex is sacred, that human life is sacred, that human property is sacred. But we come this morning to the fifth commandment, and it tells us that family is sacred. Now, for the adults, this is a freebie. You can legitimately nod off. But make sure when you do that your head lands on somebody you know, okay? This sermon is going to be for the children, for the young people, for the teens, for the young adults, 
for anybody who is not yet married. For anyone who is still living under the care and the provision and the protection and the authority of their parents. This is a great, great passage. It's a passage of great liberty and great freedom. And it's a passage that amazingly, as Paul is preaching through this great, great sermon in Ephesians, talking about the mysteries of the Trinity and salvation, talking about the breaking down of barriers between Jew and Gentile, talking about the very practical, fundamental things of life. At one point in his letter sermon, he speaks to the kids. He speaks to the children. He has a word from God to them and a word that they need to heed, they need to believe, they need to enflesh, they need to put into practice. Now, what we want to do this morning, to make it simple, because of me, I'm getting older, and I easily get lost and all that kind of thing, we're going to have three points, and each one of them begins with the letter R. When Pastor Dave was a little kid, uh, we made him watch Sesame Street, because I liked it. And um, if you remember Sesame Street, um, I relearned the alphabet, and I relearned my numbers. And every program on Sesame Street was brought to you by the letter Z, or as you say, Z, the number four, or the letter B, and the number seven. Well, today's sermon is going to be brought to you by the number two and the letter R. So when your parents quiz you at home before they give you dessert, you should be able to remember this. First of all, we want to see, directed at the children, the young people, two responsibilities that God has given them. Now, God keeps things pretty simple because, to be honest, we're pretty simple. And God has come to every child, every young person, every teenager, every young adult, and he says, I require only two things of you when it comes to living in your family. The first thing is found in verse 1, children, obey your parents. Now, this word obey um, is a very interesting word because, and I learned in Sunday school that in this church you can use Greek and everybody will understand it. Well, the word obey is, is a compound word. You crazy glue together two Greek words, hupo, which can mean kind of hyper, and sometimes kids get hyper. But this hupo really means to be under, and akuo, which we get the word acoustics from, for example. And it means to hear under. Children, you are to listen to your parents, you are to hear what they say, and you're to do it. As Nike would say, just do it. Hmm. I said it was simple. <laughs> when you get 74, you hardly remember being a kid, but you do remember. And you do remember that it doesn't sound as simple as it's made. Children, obey your parents. 
Now, what this word is really directing children to is the fact that they have parents who talk, who speak. And, and if we're honest, when we were kids, or if you are a young person, that's kind of what bugs you about your parents, isn't it? That they seem to be talking heads. They seem to, um, well, they seem to be always telling you what to do and what not to do and how to do it and when to do it and where to do it and so on. And once you begin to actually, well, at least get your beginner's driver's license, you think, boy, won't it be great to get out of here? Because they're always telling me what to do. Now, God comes along and says, you know, children, I'm going to keep this simple. Just obey your parents. Now, obedience has to do with their words, what they say. And therefore, what obedience has to do with is your actions. I don't know if you've noticed that about yourself, if you're a young person, but you're two parts glued together. You're a material, physical part, a body, and especially if you're a young person, you're becoming very, very aware of that. But there's an invisible part of you as well. It's a spirit. It's a soul. It, it's, it's the interesting thing about you because it's what makes you you and not you somebody else. You can maybe even have an identical twin, but you're not them. In fact, you're very unique and different from them. And our bodies are designed by God to carry out the words he speaks to us, and sometimes he speaks through parents. And he wants my actions, my conduct, my use of my body, if I'm a young person, to conform to the words that my parents say. Well, that's the first responsibility. Pretty simple, eh? Parents are nodding amen. But there's one more, and that's in verse 2. Young people, not only are you to obey your parents, but you are to honor them. Hmm. This gets a little more tricky because, you see, my obedience is really more physical than external. Uh, I can remember when I was a kid, my parents would tell me maybe to wash the dishes or dry the dishes or whatever it might do be. And outwardly, I would be drying the dishes putting them in the rack and putting them in the rack. Back then, we didn't have a dishwasher. But inwardly, I wasn't drying the dishes. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but ever been like that? They're bigger than you. They are maybe richer than you are. They control the fridge. They uh, have the car keys. So boy, you better dry those dishes. But God isn't just content with you drying dishes. He's not just concerned about you being externally obedient. I took my granddaughter out the other week. We have a chicken place in Canada called the Swiss Chalet. And we had a nice waitress, and it was their Thanksgiving special. Uh, in Canada, we have Thanksgiving when the crops actually come in uh, in October. Um, 
and we were at this nice dinner and we were talking and all of a sudden this thing came stopped at our table and there were two plates on it I said thank you never said a thing <laughs> but I got it I didn't tip it either and you see, God isn't asking kids just to be robots, just to kind of crank this out to their 18 or 19 or 20 or 28 or 32 or whatever it is before you leave home. God says that you not only are to obey your parents, but you are to honor them. And I'll throw in another Greek word. The Greek stuff's free today, okay? It's the word tomao. Not tomato, but tomao. We get the, the name Timothy from it. And, and the word tomao means to place great worth or value or price upon. The word timotheus or tomatheo means I place great value and worth on God. In fact, what is worthship? It's acknowledging the worthiness, the worthness, the greatness, the value of God. And what the Bible says is if I'm a kid, if I'm a young person, if I'm a young adult, I am to place great, great value on my parents. That has to do with that inside invisible stuff about me. God's not only concerned about my actions, but my attitude. You see, the Lord wasn't thrilled that I was drying the dishes or sweeping the floor or cleaning my room. He was concerned about what was going on inside. And did I do it with the utmost respect for my parents? Now, obedience has to do with their words. Honor has to do with their person. Now, <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a secret, um, young people, that is, that uh, you didn't choose your parents. Uh, the other part of the secret, of course, is they didn't choose you either. <laughs> God chose your parents. Now, there's, what, 8 billion people on this planet. I don't know how many of them could be parents, but, you know, even if we whittle that down to 2 or 3 billion, uh, out of all those people, God chose your mother and your father to be your parents. That's pretty astounding, isn't it? He not only chose your parents, but he chose when you would be born. He chose where you would be born. In fact, he looked around at the family tree and he thought, I'm going to put all kinds of neat DNA in these kids and I'm, most of it's going to be their parents' fault, but there will be, you know, grandparents and great-grandparents and all, all kinds of pooling of resources so that it's clear that you're a smith, but you're unique. There, there's no other person in history that has been like you or ever will be like you. And God says, now, Don, 
I chose Rod and I chose Vi to be your parents. Now as you obey them, you respect them. You treat them as though, as though they were very, 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 very valuable. Well, there's the two responsibilities. As my grandson would say, not these guys, but we have other grandsons, easy peasy, right? Now you would think, why, why would God pick those two things? Obey and respect. Well, we won't take the time, but if you were to work through the New Testament, you would see that for the rest of your life, even if you live as old as Methuselah, for the rest of your life, you need those two life skills. For example, the Bible says you're to obey the government over you and you're to respect the government over you. <laughs> That's hard to do when you got 24-7 cable battles going on, eh? You know every time that guy can't even walk up the stairs. You know every, and the Bible says it doesn't matter. You honor him. A little closer to home, the Bible says that in your workplace, it may right now be school primarily, maybe a part-time job, but you are to obey your boss and you're to respect them. That even gets a little closer to home if you're part of a church. <laughs> the Bible says you're to obey your leaders <clears throat> and you're to honor and respect them. See how kind God is? <laughs> He's saying, look, at, you may be able to play the flute and dance on your left foot. You may be able to do slam dunks from half court. You may be able to do all kinds of neat things, but these two things you must be able to do. You must learn to obey and you must learn to respect. And I put you in the best place to start. And that's at home. You know, nobody else on this planet will love you as much as your parents do. Except hopefully your wife or your husband. If God blesses you with marriage. Oh, by the way, how do we relate to God? We're to respect him, we are to honor him, we're to worship him, and we're to obey him. You see, if you, by God's grace, master these two life skills, you're going you're gonna to be well on your way. Well, that's the two responsibilities. We could break now and go home, but there's a couple more things. It's a Theobald sermon, so it's, it's not ending early. <laughs> Secondly, two relationships. I don't know if you've noticed that life is about relationships, isn't it? Um, we're actually relatives of your pastor. We're not relatives of Pastor Matt, but we are related. And relationships are what makes the world go around. And the Bible says that children, young people, 
are to cultivate two crucial relationships. The first one is noticed, children, obey your parents. Verse two, children, honor your father and mother. Your most key relationship is not your best bud at youth group, it's not your friend on the internet, it's not your pal when you're sitting on the bench playing hockey or wanting to play hockey but you're on the bench. Um, the most crucial relationship in your life is your mother and your father. And you might say, well, why? Well, because God in his sovereignty has used them to generate you into existence. You don't, you wouldn't be here if they weren't here. And God puts great value on life, on relationships, on the family. This is a non-negotiable. You know, if you go online, all kinds of recovery groups, there are people recovering from recovery groups. It's just amazing, you know. And, and, and you know, I would have been a much better person if it wasn't for my parents. And of course, they're saying, well, you were no great shakes, but they would have been better parents if they had better parents. <laughs> and, and, and where does this end? And the Bible says that it ends not with the parents, but with the young people. I can rest in the Lord that the parents I have are the best parents for me. They're exactly what I needed. And so I am to relate to them as my father and my mother, because in God's amazing, kind sovereignty, he generated my life through them. There's a biological relationship, and you can't help it because the old man's standing up here, and you're going to see some Dave in him. And, and you know, the, you hardly have the baby, and they're already trying to figure out who this kid looks like. Because we're related. And relationships are absolutely crucial. And God has not saved us if he saved us in an island. He said, okay, I've saved you and I put you in the body. I hear people in this church, they don't even look like each other, calling each other brother and sister. How can that be? Well, there's relationships that are absolutely astounding. And so... Uh, a child, a young person, a teen, and even an older person must remember that the key relationship in their life was the father and the mother that brought them into this world. Now, we live in a culture where, <laughs> well, if they were good parents, if this was the ideal situation, there's no ideal situation. Do you know every parent in this world's a sinner? born a sinner, demonstrates they're a sinner. The irony is every parent in this world is not only a sinner, but every parent in this world just produced more sinners. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And yet God says this is a key relationship. And as a young person, I am to cultivate an obedient, respectful relationship with my parents. Now, when you get married, you're to leave your parents in the sense of obeying them, 
Now, Davey, you get in tonight at 9 o'clock. Yeah, but I'm with my wife. Uh, you get in at 9 o'clock. <laughs> I'm your father. <laughs> no, no. But there's to always be respect. And you know what I found out? And I never had Christian parents. I started to really appreciate my parents when I became a parent. Because I found out it's a hard job. Frankly, it's a humanly impossible job. And you look back and you say, wow, these guys sacrificed. These guys went without a lot. These, I didn't even walk till I was eight. What parents that would care for you and love you and all the different things they did, sacrifice, not go on vacations because they had bills to pay. Uh, those people deserve respect. Those people deserve honor. We have the privilege sometimes of ministering in Pennsylvania. I don't know if it's true here, but we've been some of the little towns there. And all along the main street on the, uh, the lamppost are pictures of military people, I'm presuming, who have been killed in action. And we respect those people. I don't know the guy. But imagine at 20, losing your life for the sake of people you don't even know so that they might have freedom. I respect people like that. I have great, great admiration for people like that. I don't think I'm allowed to, but I would love to salute every military person I knew because I'm not sure if I'd do that. So, a kid and his parents' relationship is absolutely crucial. But there's another one. Notice what it says. It says, children, obey your parents, in verse 1, in the Lord. Not only are you to have a, a healthy, biblical, biological relationship with mom and dad, but you're to have a spiritual relationship with the Lord. <laughs> do, you know, do you know, well, this isn't easy. Uh, when I was a pastor, I'd do premarital counseling. Of course, they're all goo-guyed, and they love each other, and they can't imagine a moment of unbroken bliss. And after I disillusion them a little bit, I say, do you know that God made marriage so that it won't work? Well, that sobers them up pretty quick. And then I, without the Lord, you see, God's asking two sinners to be glued together for life. God's asking you to love and respect and honor and obey parents that you didn't choose. And that's humanly impossible. And you see, God's put children in these situations, calls for these responsibilities because God isn't interested in me having a great childhood, that I had ballet and I was on the football team and I could play the violin with my toes and things like that. What God was concerned about is, will Don know me? Will he see his sinfulness and will he turn from his sin? Or will he trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life? And that's where you learn you're a sinner at home. I was a middle boy. 
older brother, younger brother. Never smoked, never drank, never messed with girls. None of that stuff, a decent student. Water boy on the football, the basketball team. Played in the band. But the Lord used my life with my parents. And I was relatively obedient outwardly. And God said, oh, John, you need me. You're not going to pull this off. You need me. And so the relationships are absolutely crucial, aren't they? I I'm to relate to you out of the greater relationship I have with Jesus. And he'll give grace to do that. He will give grace to do that. Well, we're moving along pretty good. The third R, we've had two responsibilities, to obey and honor our parents. That's checking our attitude and our actions. We have two relationships. I am to cultivate a respectful, obedient relationship with my biological parents. And I'm to cultivate a real spiritual relationship. And notice, it doesn't say the father. It could have. But the Lord. I'm, I'm under orders, even as a child, even as a teenager. And the third thing is the reasons. Two reasons. Now, uh, we had four children, and uh, of course, with the father they had, they were very intelligent. Um, w when they began to speak, they knew two-letter word. It was called no. And uh, we had to lovingly convince them that you don't just say no to your parents. You say no to drugs, you say no to other, but you don't just say no to your parents. Well, they began to catch on about that, so they went to a three-letter word, why? That got a little more challenging because you can hardly whoop them for saying why. And what they were really saying is what every one of us wants is God, can you give me one good reason why I should obey and honor my parents? And God says, no, I can give you two. What's the first good reason why children are to respond in a godly way to the fifth commandment? Notice what it says in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for or because or the reason why is this is right. This is the mark of right living, of righteousness, of being in a right relationship, not only with your parents, but with the Lord. Now, my response usually was, well, Dave, because I told you so. And for a few years, I was actually bigger than him and stronger. But those aren't the good reasons. Sometimes Lord says, you, you do this because I'm the Lord and there's nobody like me. But he wants us to see at a very young age that God isn't just, you know, pulling the boss card. He's not strutting around like, you know, he's Mr. Big and us little peasants. He's saying, and you see, this is a very important uh, parenting thing. What we endeavored to do is to 
teach our children not only to do the right thing, but to know why to do the right thing. You see, what we wanted was our children to begin to think our thoughts after them. So that when we weren't around, they would do the right thing. And what God wants me to do is, is think his thoughts after him, isn't it? You, you know you've really got your kid when they're thinking like you. And, and what the Bible says is that obeying and honoring your parents is the mark, the evidence of a work of grace in your life. This is humanly impossible. Do you know to obey and honor your parents takes great faith? Just as it takes great faith to respect the governments over you, to respect the boss, to respect the teachers, to be, and so on. Because most of the people we interact with are not believers, are they? And yet God sovereignly has chosen the president, the governor, the senator, the principal, the math teacher, whatever it might be. And the mark that God is really doing a work of grace in my life is that I'm learning to obey and respect the authorities over me. So that's reason number one. And frankly, God could have said, you don't need any more reasons. But he gives us a second reason. And that's found in verse three. Verse one, children obey your parents. Verse two, honor your father and mother. And then he puts, this is if you check the commandments, this is the first commandment with the promise. And what I learned as a dad and then as a grandpa was, Kids love promises. It's amazing. They don't remember to clean up their, their room. They don't remember to do their homework. But boy, do they remember promises, don't they? Dad, you promised that we're, you're gonna, you said you would. And God says, I'll give you a promise that you can take to the bank. I promise if you obey your parents and you honor your parents, I won't let your parents mess up your life. Look what he says. In verse 3, so that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Isn't that a wonderful promise? You see, it's hard to submit to other people because my life, my destiny is in their hands. And, and it's hard to submit to people who are messing up their own lives and to feel comfortable that they'll do an okay job with yours, right? And God says, I promise. I put my hand on the Bible, and I'm giving you my word. You can hold me to it. I will not let your parents ruin your life. Hmm. Not only it's obeying and honoring the right thing to do, but it, it will turn out right. You see, the real problem in being a kid and being a teenager and being a young adult is not people. It's God. The problem is that as we look around at our lives and we want God just to be sovereign in certain areas, don't we? <laughs> and God says it's all or nothing, kid. 
do you trust me? If you don't even think that I can pick the right parents for you, you're not going to trust me in anything, are you? And what he's saying is, you just trust me. I know exactly what I'm doing. I've been doing this job since Adam and Eve. I won't let them mess up your life. Now, I've been a pastor many years. Dave didn't give me all these gray hairs. Other people's kids gave me some. Other kids' parents gave me some of these gray hairs. But unlike some pastors, I still have hair anyways, but um, I'm thankful for that. And you know what I've found out in 45 years of pastoring? It's always the person sitting across from me that's messed up their life. I've never found anybody yet who somebody else has messed up their life. Isn't that reassuring? Isn't that comforting? And isn't that kind of scary? I'm going to close with this. I found this a number of years ago. It, it's kind of a little advice column for kids on how to raise their parents. <laughs> Wise children will want to please their parents. First, though, they need, most need to understand them. As any teenager knows, parents are tough to figure out. Here are seven tips that might help you. Number one, don't shy away from speaking their language. Try some strange sounding words like, let me help you with that, or please. Number two, try to understand their music. Play, for example, when I surveyed the wondrous cross on one of your devices and keep listening to it until you get comfortable with the words and the sounds. Number three, be patient with their weaknesses. If you catch your mom sneaking a candy bar, don't jump all over her. Quietly set a good example. Four, encourage your parents to talk about their problems. Keep in mind that things like earning a living or paying off the mortgage seem important to them. Number five, be tolerant of their appearance. When your father gets a haircut, don't try to hide him from your friends. Remember, it's very important for him to fit in with his peers. Number six, if they do something you think is wrong, let them know that it's their behavior you don't like, not them. And number seven, above all, pray for them. They may seem confident on the outside, but feel weak on the inside. They need God to get them through these difficult years. And of course, if you catch the irony of those seven tips, they're not only great tips for kids raising their parents, but for parents raising their children. <laughs>